0: Hello and welcome along to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Eric McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nicholl. And today on the show, we're walking through some real accounting statements for an investment property. This is one of Andrew's clients who so we're going to look through their uh, accounting statements. And we're first of all going to walk through what's in here and some of the kind of things you need to look out for and be aware of as a property investor. And then we're going to talk through what Andrew's kind of recommended for this client to improve its position of the specific property. And look, the main thing that I want to get across, because this is really, really important for property investors, is that when you're looking at accounting statements, there is a big difference between profit and cash flow. A massive difference between profit and cash flow. And I'll explain why. It's because you can have something that is an expense, so an expense on your profit and loss statement, but doesn't require any cash. So there I'm talking about depreciation. So the value of the chattels decreasing every year, that's anything that can be unattached from the house. So sometimes certain types of carpets, certain types of uh, light fittings, anything that can't be attached there is a chattel and can be depreciated. And so because of that, you're seeing depreciation every year. Of course, those, those chattels are being worn out. That's an expense but it's not going to cost you any cash you've already paid for that you've already paid for that when you purchase the property Similarly, you can have a cash movement. You can have something that costs you cash, but is not an expense for the business of owning a rental property. And primarily there, I'm talking about principal payments. So if you are paying down your mortgage, if you're on principal payments, that is not an expense. It's not a tax expense. It's not any sort of expense because it is a form of savings. And so if you're making those cash payments and essentially saving that money by paying down your principal, you're incurring a cash Uh, movement, but it is not an expense. And that's why sometimes you can have uh, negatively geared properties, properties that are costing cash each week, but are actually making a profit in the IRD's eyes. Now, we might get into more of that in a minute, but Andrew, just walk us through some of the kind of intricacies of this particular profit and loss statement that's that's in front of us, because there are some things in here that are increasing the tax loss that we should just be aware of, because they're not necessarily incurring additional cash expenses.
1: Yeah, sure. So I'm just going to actually, I'll just start with the rent. Um, I'll, I'll work my way down purely because I want to talk about what the loss is on this, on on the balance sheet. So the rent for this year was about $21,000 and it was down from last year, which was about 24 and a half. Um, and the reason it was down is because there was a big vacancy Gap in the property uh, this year, uh, and actually the the gap was created because there was some uh, uh, there was da- damage to the property caused by the tenant. It needed to be fixed before it was relet. In this case, that the uh, the, uh, the owner actually was able to claim on insurance, so that went through afterwards. But uh, so it will appear on this year's statement as an income. But uh, in, in and in this particular year, it had gone down, uh, which had increased your cost, obviously. There's accounting, all the normal ones, accounting, insurance, interest, the main one, property management, rates, uh, there's no maintenance or anything like that. But uh, that those are the normal costs that actually make a difference to your bottom line. Now, there are a few there are a few extra costs, the the kind of imaginary ones. Now, one of them is motor vehicle expenses. So this property's in Christchurch, the client's in Christchurch, but obviously she's gone to the property uh, to, to check something herself uh, and she's recorded a log and she's able to claim back $44 dollars of that, then there's the office expense, which is home office expense. So, because she uh, she looks after a certain amount of the admin, so she re- checks the um, checks the property statement, uh, 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 checks her inspection reports, all those kind of things. She's able to legitimately claim a home office expense, and so the way that's worked out is it's a portion of uh, of your rates. Portion on the insurance that uh, sorry the yeah the insurance on your own house, a portion of the interest that you're paying on your own personal mortgage, and it's all of your phone and internet, and it's it's a percentage based on the size of your office and your house. So if your office is one room of the house, um, that could be you know. 20%, 20% say, uh, and I, by the looks of the number here, $1,500, I say it's probably 10% of her house. She might have a little study knock, and so she's claimed back a little bit of those costs. Um, the other one, and this is the major one that we always talk about called depreciation. So, depreciation laws changed back in 2010s where you can't depreciate a house anymore. Um, you can't claim back the depreciation on a house if it's got a lifespan of more than 50 years, I think, from memory. Um, but there's so many components of a house that you can claim and so, uh, and, and they'd surprise you if you actually saw the extensive list and if you want to see them, go to the IRD website and you can search for what's able to be depreciated and the different components of a house depreciate at different rates. So you need a specialist valuation company to, to actually come and do an inspection on that when you buy a rental property and so they go in and they say, okay, well, there's an oven in that that's probably worth $3,000 if you replaced it today and that diminishes it, say, 20%, I'm just making up the number, uh, and, and there's a dish. Washer and, and there's a clothesline and there's a leader box and some of the fences, some of these kind of things can be depreciated. So they've all got a component that they can depreciate it, value it. Are uh, the company that we recommend to anyone? They're nationwide. Uh, they're exceptional at what they do. I'd say they're the market leaders in and depreciation schedules. Now, the depreciation on 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 this particular person's uh, uh, schedule is four thousand two hundred and ninety dollars. Uh, the year before, just for interest sake, is five five one six. So again, it reduces each year because she's on a diminishing value. So so if if chattels are valued at say forty thousand one year, and then and then the ne- and you. You've had a depreciation of five thousand five hundred sixteen. Then it goes on uh, forty thousand minus five five one six, and then and then obviously the the rates go down. Now, the loss. The loss on this uh, balance sheet, or the, this profit, profit and, and loss, loss statement. Starts, oh, Jesus. I mean, there is a difference. When, we'll go through when, what the three statements are. When I said that, I knew that I was going to be called out on it. as uh, $14,705, $14,705, which is quite a significant top-up if you looked at that. You'd think, if you looked at that, you'd think, oh, Jesus, this person's putting $300 a week. It's quite a lot of money. But in actual fact, uh, for this particular year, ring fencing hadn't been... Uh, introduced at that stage and so she was still able to get well firstly you take out your your actual uh, the the non-cash losses, yeah, you know, the depreciation, the home office and the motor vehicle expenses, because let's face it, she paid those anyway, and she was paying those costs anyway, and the depreciation is just, you know, it's a paper loss. Um, so, so that reduces that loss down to $8,871, so $170 a week, and then because ring fencing wasn't in place, she was able to claim back a third of the $14,705 against her income, which gave her a tax credit of $4,852. And so her actual cost was four thousand and eighteen dollars. Four thousand and eighteen dollars down from fourteen thousand seven hundred and five. So it's twenty seven percent of what it says on the profit and loss that she's that, that the loss is for the property. So it's really, really important that you factor these things in, because I work with clients all the time where they might get their profit and loss and go, oh geez, we're topping it up by a huge amount. But there was those tax implications and there was the depreciation, etc. And so one thing to note, because this client came in for a review, so she was putting in $77 a week. Now that she doesn't get that $4,852 back from the IRD, it's $170 a week. So $100 up, say. And so, uh, what, what? What? Some of the things that we suggested she might do to try and improve that as well. Okay, let's have a full year's worth of rent, um, and let's try and increase that rent. So she was actually able to increase the rent by twenty five dollars. So that makes quite a big difference. Uh, that's about twelve hundred dollars a year. And then um, uh, she was actually able to restructure her debt because she was close to her maturity term on the interest rate. And so that's actually now created a profit. So by the interest rate change in a small increase to the rent it's now making a profit from a cash flow perspective from a cash flow perspective cash flow, yes, we need to be careful yes, about this yes and now she's still able to claim back that that five uh, five and a half grand of uh, vehicle expenses office expenses uh, and depreciation so she won't be necessarily paying tax on on that profit but she's actually now cash flow positive and and but from the IRD's perspective, she's cash flow negative. Exactly, exactly. And
0: you might think, look, why bother trying to increase your tax loss? Why add in that extra fifteen hundred dollars worth of office expenses uh, in order to to decrease your profit? Uh, because it's zero anyway. If you're trying to avoid tax, well, there are a couple of reasons. One, when there Not was a- avoid
1: tax, minimize
0: tax, minimize tax. Uh, one. Ring fencing. You know, back back in uh, uh, when ring fencing was in place, uh, you'd want to maximise the the amount that you lost so that you could claim back more tax. The other is that if you should incur uh, tax in the future, whether because your portfolio is now positively geared or whether because uh, you've, you've, incurred, uh, you've you've incurred a tax liability from Brightline, something like that, uh, that's going to minimise the tax that you actually end up paying. Now, what I do need to get across and and might take a couple of times to uh, for for first time investors to really get this this kind of really dug into your brain, because it took me a while as well, is there is a massive difference between cash flow and profit. Profit is based on revenue minus expenses, and those expenses can be lots of different things, like for instance, depreciation or uh, office, uh, telephone, these sorts of things that you would incur anyway, but actually help you run the business. So are an expense. Uh, And there's a massive difference between that and cash flow. Cash flow is whether something's positively geared or negatively geared. So depreciation doesn't come into that. Principal payments in that case would because you're making them out of the rent that you're receiving. So there is a big difference. And then uh, as well as your kind of profit and loss statement, which is revenue and expenses, and your cash flow statement, which is cash in, cash cash out, uh, you've also got your balance sheet. So within this portfolio, within this entity, uh, what are the assets that you, have and the some of what we go through uh, when we were talking about small towns and the low capital base, and the fact that they have um, that that there is uh, a greater proportion of the stock that that uh, needs some deferred capital maintenance or that has deferred capital maintenance. This is all about the interplay between these three different statements: the cash you make, the profit and loss, and then the ultimate balance sheet. Now we're probably going to dig into this even more, but hey, let's wrap it up there. And if you would like your Property Academy mug, your official Property Academy mug. Uh, you get it absolutely for free, including we're going to pay the shipping. All we ask that you do is to fill out our podcast survey. Go to opaspartners.co.nz. that's O-P-E-S partners.co.nz slash pod survey and, and just seven questions you can just give us your feedback about the show again we want to make the best show possible for you uh, and then pop in your home address and we're going to send you the uh, Property Academy official mug to drink your coffee your tea your water uh, your alcohol uh, while you're listening to our podcast uh, or or while you're watching our webinars as well I'm going to link to that in the show notes as well so TAP will swipe over that cover out it'll take you right there and of course please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the show it really does help us get the message out to more people. Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Eric Knight. And I'm Andrew Nicholl. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics, and insights
1: to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time.